Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is Emma, production and experience director at the Webby Awards. You might remember me from the old ads, but I'm back. Are you as impressed by the work of the Webby winners as we are? The work honored at the Webby Awards is changing the future of the internet, and you can have access to all the deets behind it. Sign up to the Webby Gallery and Index to uncover insights, inspiration, and trends for your work or just for fun. You'll get the ability to discover innovative projects from around the world that are awesome online, a database of credits to check out who made all that groundbreaking digital work, trends and insights not available outside of our database, including major categories like fashion, sports, and social, and the advanced power of search. So if you're ahead of us and want to find something we didn't mention, you can do that too. Make sure you're in the know and sign up for free at the top of our page at webbyawards.com. Hey, this is Krista, social media manager at the Webby Awards. In a time where it's hard to remember what hour it is, let alone what day, I'm here to remind you of the deadline to enter work into the 25th annual Webby Awards. The Webby Awards extended entry deadline is February 12th. Enter now at webbyawards.com to make sure your work is viewed by the best minds across the internet and has a chance to win a Webby next May. We have a ton of new ways to honor your work this year, including brand new categories for virtual and remote, podcasts, software, social, and more. Head over to webbyawards.com to learn more. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Independent. Unbiased. Keeping it honest. Thanks, McDonald's. We're loving it. Yes, the future is individual. You are what you stream. Hey there, and welcome back. To say 2020 was a weird year is definitely an understatement. In addition to the devastating health impact on people around the world, COVID also created a massive amount of change in our culture. Everything from how we learn, gather together, and put food on the table was transformed in ways we never imagined. But what can we learn from all this change? My next guest, Tamara Alessi, is the North American Head of Media at YouGov, an international research data and analytics group. She and her team study what burgeoning consumer choices mean for marketers, businesses, and all of us, and specifically this year have studied and surveyed the dramatic shift in consumer behavior we've all experienced firsthand. We talk about a lot during our conversation, ranging from how COVID has affected the food choices of young people to its impact on holiday shopping, and even why older Americans are watching more news than ever. We also dive into some of the research we put together in this year's Webby Trend Report, Overwrite Tomorrow. For Tamara, it's been great seeing into the minds of everyday people. I love the access that I have at YouGov because I'm ultimately getting to peek inside the minds of the everyday consumer. You know, we have people who opt in to participate in our panel and tell us what they're thinking and what means the most to them and, you know, passive 
thoughts, so how they're consuming media, how they're living their day-to-day life. Most important is the way that the consumers are really talking to us about what matters most in this time of COVID, which is just unprecedented. People are scared. And I think that has come across in our data. I think what's also come across is optimism. So we, we you know, recently asked consumers you know, how they felt about 2020. And overall, consumers told us that they were not so happy with how it's gone. Um, however, over 50% of consumers talked about the fact that they're really optimistic about 2021. So in a time where we've all had our own struggles, depending on, you know, whether you live on your own, whether you have a family, whether you have a child learning from home versus in school, I think the optimism is starting to come across and that's a positive thing to see. A bunch of interesting studies or surveys you've done. I want to ask you about a few of them. One place I thought we might start just because you mentioned that people are scared. And I noticed in um, some of the results that people who are worried about COVID. And so, you know, sort of selecting people who say they're worried about it versus people who don't, and then dividing the responses to see if those type of people have a different take, I guess. Tell me about that. Have you seen a difference between people who sort of self-identify as being worried about COVID versus those who don't in say media consumption or anything else out there? There's definitely a perspective from a consumer who has kind of raised their hand and said, you know, I have concerns about COVID, whether it's for their health or the health of those in their family. I think the the biggest trend that we're seeing and why there's just so much change is ultimately that everybody is just spending so much more time at home. Hmm. And with, at, you know, people spending more time at home, they're spending more time watching TV. And what's on your television? CNN, NBC, MSNBC. Um, it's a lot of negative headlines. And so I think that naturally people are feeling a little bit more anxious. There is a divide in terms of people who their media behaviors are different if they tend to be somebody who might be a little bit more concerned with COVID than not. Um, They tend to be a heavier media user. They tend to be kind of glued to the television. Um, They tend to be kind of glued to the headlines. I don't actually think that's uh, all that surprising. What's been more surprising to me is their changes in behaviors. So for example, I wrote a column on the the category of QSR, which is quick service restaurants, which is fast food. Right. And there's been a major change, like a decrease of 19 to 20% in terms of consumers who are choosing to consume fast food. So So less consumers are consuming fast food. That is interesting because you would have guessed that, oh, you go to the drive through, you get it, you bring it home. That's that's safer than going to a restaurant. People must be using that more. You would have absolutely believed that to be the case. And it's also, unfortunately, like there's a lot of people who are having a hard time getting their hands around the same type of food they did historically. And fast food is obviously a more affordable choice. But what we're seeing in the data is that people don't want to leave their home. And so more people are shopping for groceries online and more people are choosing to cook at home versus go out. They're just not feeling safe necessarily about going out like they did before. Some of the interesting insights that came from that data specifically is that a fast food consumer used to be, it used to skew male and be older. And that's actually shifted. And the fast food consumer is actually tending to be younger and actually more balanced, like not skewing male. Hmm. 
So it's, I mean, I worked in the fast food category, so that data to me was quite shocking. Um, that a younger, healthier consumer would ultimately start to switch their perspective and, and potentially start eating more fast food. So lots of uh, insights that kind of get your mind swirling and want you to make you dig in more. You all had a whole bunch of surveys around, specifically around food. One thing, and I just to, on a tangent to what you're talking about here, I also noticed in one of those was uh, that you all noticed that more people are buying like food that's, I don't know if it's like shelf stable or like food that lasts longer, but essentially like canned goods than before, which I guess if you really take a step back and you say, hey, what type of food will be more in demand in a pandemic? I guess like canned food, that would be probably like the number one answer on the family feud or whatever. But younger people buying a lot more canned food and shelf stable canned food and packaged food than before. I think it's ultimately that people are trying to understanding they're creating new at home. So they're, they're cooking more. If they don't want to be out as much, they want to know that the food that they are buying isn't going stale. Right. It's definitely been a bit of a shift this week. I actually wrote about antacids. <laughs> so there's, there's been a bit of a, you know, so before where you went to the grocery store and you couldn't find paper towel. Um, now you can't find Pepsid. And it's, you know, I think the heartburn issue is right. interesting because obviously like we're all a little bit more stressed, like there's a lot going on and we are like, oh, so people are going to buy that. But they actually had um, quite a peak in brand awareness and consideration and um, and current consumers, probably based on the headlines that the guy in the White House told everybody it was part of his regimen when he was at the hospital. Oh, man. And so it's interesting how PR can affect, you know, public considerations for good or, or for bad. As a category, Pepsi's killing it right now um, because they keep getting mentioned in the headlines. And I mean, just sort of along the same lines, another thing I noticed in some of your research was overall, if you looked at all, you, you all had a bunch of different categories that are around like purchases and different types of purchasing and so forth. And one of the ones that was that was still relatively stable, if not up a bit, was the category of like pharmacy. And that that's still, you know, people are still taking care of themselves, so to speak. People are taking care of themselves. And I think that they're, um, I think the data would suggest that they might be a little bit more paranoid. And so they're stocking up a little bit. Right. You know, people are less quick to run to the doctor and more quick to call their doctor, have a televisit, and solve for it at home. Um, and so I think you see that in, in the shopping trends for that category. We at the Webby Awards are obviously particularly interested in all the change that's going on around consumer behavior and the internet and in media. And I think what we've observed just anecdotally from entries we've received and just sort of all the judges in the industry that look through the Webby Awards work each year, we've been talking about that like, this is like a, this is like dog years of internet to some extent, like that we are, we're going to accelerate user behavior, you know, by maybe it's two years or five years or seven years, but this year will be a massive acceleration in, you know, the way people use the internet, what they use it for. Just in other words, that it would have taken people a lot longer to start doing all these things than they did this year. Is that something that you are seeing in your research? Yeah, you know, one of the notes that I um, wrote for today was that, you know, Zoom has become the new Google. Right. From an entertainment perspective, people aren't going out. So your entertainment 
outside of traditional, you know, media um, is sitting here on a Zoom with your family, with your friends, having a happy hour, having a dinner together. You know, Zoom has enabled a behavior that hopefully will stick for the good because I think people are probably more in touch with people, their family that might not live so close to them or friends that might have moved away for a job or whatever it might be. Um, I know from an education perspective, um, as a parent of a 10-year-old, I've been witnessing firsthand the difference in how we need to adapt for an educate, you know, for education. My daughter, she'll tell you, she's like, she does not think my husband and I are good teachers. <laughs> um, she definitely would rather be in the classroom, which I appreciate. But talk about our superheroes. Talk about teachers who have completely adapted uh, using the technology that the internet provides to be not just online with our students, but in your home every day when the students can't be at school. Um, so I think that that is a trend that has fast-tracked far beyond our expectations. Uh, the Khan Academy usage, there's all sorts of brands out there who have really elevated online education so that our teachers have some support and can teach our children well, so to speak, understanding that, and I haven't seen this stat, but I'm assuming that it's in our data that, you know, parents are concerned that their kids aren't in school and they want to get them back as soon as they can, but they also understand in order to do that, that, you know, they need a vaccine and, you know, we're not, we're not there yet because the vaccine's not even approved for children. So, you know, we have a road ahead of us, but the data does imply that, you know, trends, whether it's, you know, entertainment, whether it's education, uh, telemedicine is a huge advancement, I think, that's come out of COVID um, from a trend perspective. Um, being able to sit here and have a conversation with your doctor, being able to have your doctor tell you, oh, go get this from, you know, the pharmacy, don't go get this. You know, not to get personal, but I had COVID. I fell sick on March 24th. I was in bed for three months. Oh my gosh. And it was my weekly phone call, like Zoom, with my doctor that brought comfort to me because I was in New York City and the the first thing the doctor said was do not go to the hospital like stay home if you can and we are going to help do everything that we can to keep you in your house um, including I, I you know was talking about there's an app called oximeter that totally wasn't paid attention to before COVID it would allow me to take my oxygen levels every day um, you know, there's like a fit track scale, which people use because they want to keep healthy. But in the time of COVID, my doctor would tell me to get it on every day, get on it every day to measure my water levels. Hmm. So it's interesting how the internet provided almost a crutch, yeah. like throughout this entire pandemic for people to be able to feel more comfortable, um, and no pun intended, like more at home during, you know, what could be considered a pretty scary time. The research we all did together, just for our listeners, we worked with YouGov this year. We wanted to understand how how the pandemic was affecting some of these key areas in the internet that you've referenced there, health, um, entertainment, education. It, maybe it's not obvious, but I think we expected there to be a change. Um, the thing that's also really interesting is like, what do people think of that change and do they like it? And one finding that came out of our re our survey and research with you is that uh, more than half the people surveyed, I think about half the people surveyed, wanted some cha permanent change in education based on some of the changes they had seen so far. So that doesn't mean that 50% of the people want to suddenly be at home schooling, but that, you know, that, that there was some positive element that they wanted to see stay with us in the future. 
have you sort of been asking that question at large for all these different areas of change and consumer behavior? Yeah, since March, we've been measuring all sorts of different questions about COVID experiences, so to speak. I don't know if that's the way, right way to say it. It's more about opinions on the government, which is obviously was front and center during the election. Trust of family and friends, trust of your um, healthcare providers, trust of um, media. But then again, all of the, the other natural points that come out of the research, whether it's eating behaviors, media behaviors, online spend, offline spend, so many uh, caveats to just better understand the consumer. I don't think the data is surprising per se, like understanding people are concerned. I feel like you can kind of have a like a well, of course moment, but then understanding uh, what's changed in that consumer, like in the way that they're interacting with media, in the way that they're interacting with others, in the way that they're feeling about brands during all of this is really important. Let's talk a little bit more specifically and deeply about the about media in general, right? Mm-hmm. So you identified and said there at the top, obviously there's people are watching more stuff at large. People are at home. They're in front of their screens more. They have less to do. It's, it's a substitute for all sorts of other types of entertainment. If we get more granular into that, are there types of media that people are watching more of or brands that are, that are doing better? One, one thing just to tease out that I, that I noted in your research was that you, you, you asked, consumers, which of these services or streaming services they had used the next last 30 days. And like, there's tons of them on there, but the one that felt universal, although I realize it's probably not universal, but at the top of the list was Netflix. Yep. It was just, you know, that was the dominating answer there. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, and Disney Plus launched right at the beginning of COVID. And I don't, you know, for them, it was it was a blessing in disguise, so to speak, because it, it gave them permission to right. uh, be aggressive about being in consumers' living rooms. So, you know, to get back to your question, like, what are we seeing? So I would say there's three things, like more time at home is absolutely equaling more time with media. But what is surprising about that is that for years, we've been seeing traditional TV usage uh, decrease as digital video usage increases. And since March, that trend has actually stopped. People are choosing to consume on their large television screen in their living room. And to your point, what are they watching? They're watching CNN, they're watching NBC, they're watching CBS. 
and I talked about the fact in an article I wrote is, do we expect that trend to change once we're past this? You know, at first is like maybe past the election, we'll see consumers consuming less news, but at the end of the day, they're not, they're hungry for news. They want to know what's um, most recent and the headlines usually come from those networks. Well, let's stop there for a second, because that's super surprising. I would have, I mean, now when I watch the news or like if I have CNN on or a podcast, it's a political podcast, the first thing I start thinking about is, oh, I wonder if all of a sudden the viewership for this is like way down. But in general, it's not. It's not. I would say that uh, CNN's doing very well right now. Um, and you can you can tell by the type of advertisements that you see when you watch yeah. the network. Now I'm going to make you think about this next time you're watching CNN. Um you know, you're going to see anything from, you know, ads skewing towards older consumers to I actually um, saw a Birchbox ad on CNN the other day. So brands that are choosing to target younger consumers who are actually tuning into what has traditionally been a more affluent, older skewing audience. Any sense of the why on on the television part of it? Is it, is it like background kind of, you know, cause he's, that, that sort of whole background TV thing was a, was a big thing for a while. It's, it's the phone is somewhat taken over like the background media a little bit, but, but I could see, you know, the, the phenomena of airports and gyms, I could see that maybe in people's kitchens and homes as they're just home all the time. It's definitely part of it. You know, it's interesting, like the, uh, the older skewing demo. So 50 plus, is, is showing the biggest jump in television viewership. So for that group in particular, I would say it's probably, it's probably background noise mm. and it's probably comfort because, you know, I, I hate to do focus group of one, so I apologize before I do it. But, you know, my parents are over the age of 70, they're yep. both at home and they're bored out of their minds. And so, you know. And older people being more at risk have probably probably disproportionately maybe a little bit more active at stay and staying at home than maybe yeah. other groups of people. But we've we've seen video usage in other channels increase as well. So you brought up streaming, like, oh, is it cord cutting? Are they watching more traditional TV? The truth is that we're seeing more traditional TV, we're seeing more cord cutting, but we're also seeing more streaming. So we're seeing just this explosion of video usage across the board. And even older consumers are choosing to watch on YouTube or choosing to watch on Facebook. Hmm. Um, what's interesting is you hear 18 to 34 year olds often talk about the fact that they, oh, they're leaving Facebook. It's no longer cool, blah, blah, blah. Their usage on Facebook is through the roof right now. And I think a big part of it is that they're ultimately just kind of addicted to their phones and they're, they're just, they're, they're potentially flipping out of boredom. Um, maybe they were interested to see what was going on with the election. Um, but video usage across traditional TV, across streaming devices, across YouTube, across Facebook, across all channels is going through through the roof right now. Are there groups of people where there's less change? Uh, yes. Uh, affluent people who are working. Their behaviors have barely changed at all. So you talked a little bit about optimism at the beginning that... When you talk to people about 2020, you know, there's, we, again, we can choose our words here, but it's, it's a year a lot of people would like to put behind them, but there is a lot of optimism around 2021. How are we seeing that? Are we seeing that in people's optimism around buying or shopping or just in how their outlook on their professional life would be? Or what, where does that insight come from? 
Yeah, so I, I want to unpack that a little bit. So there's two things you brought up. You brought up the shopping piece. So consumers, um, interesting enough, have not necessarily reduced the amount of shopping that they're doing. They've just changed the way in which or where they're choosing to purchase. So I wrote a piece about uh, around Thanksgiving about food consumption. And uh, people are choosing to make less trips to the grocery store. But it's often because they are now choosing to just buy online. Mm. So, uh, you know, Whole Foods was a client of mine years ago. And they were really uh, just jumping into online shopping as, a, as an option for their customers. That is a trend that we've seen just, God, go 2,000 miles an hour now because of what's happened with COVID. So consumers have gotten, you know, not just comfortable, but really comfortable having their groceries delivered online because of safety measures. And it's actually a trend I really don't see necessarily reversing, primarily because it's easy. And um, if you guys remember, like the the staple button, it's all about easy. So if a marketer can hit it, like it works. I think in general, people are, are continuing to to shop. I think the optimism data really is reflective of what you're hearing in the headlines. So right now, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but yesterday on my television in the background, I had the Electoral College on almost all day long. Um, it was kind of just nice to check the box and say that that's, that's been done and, and people stayed the line and did what they were supposed to do. But I also think all over the news all day long was just video of nurses and doctors getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so I think that optimism tends to swing with the the current feeling in the marketplace, so to speak. And we have a lot to be optimistic about. Like science has proven to us that we can take huge steps in finding a result that is going to make things better in turn, consumers are feeling more optimistic about 2021. And I think if you asked anybody on the street, they would tell you that they'd like to put 2020 in the, in the rearview mirror. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's, I know there's no answer to this question, but I'd love to just hear your thoughts on the idea of it, just because I think you're so uniquely positioned to talk about it. And you, you touched on it here, which is you have this group of people who are self-identified for some reason is more worried about COVID than others. I mean, I think everybody's worried, but they're more worried. They also tend to be the people who are watching more. And you just talked about a little bit there about how when we see more good news, it makes us more optimistic. There's So there's obviously this interplay between how we feel and how the media is reflecting slash projecting how we feel. And there's some causal relationship there, but you know, the media only works if it's relevant to, makes you feel like it's it's relevant to your world. If media is telling everybody everything's great and everything's bad, nobody's really going to pay attention to it because it won't make a lot of sense. How have you seen that dynamic evolve this year and how do you expect it to evolve in the future? And I know it's a big question, but... It, it's a big question. This year has been tough because I, one, I, I dealt with COVID. So on a personal note, I mean, by the way, I'm a, you know, if you ask my daughter how old I am, she'll tell you I'm forever 38. Um, and I'm healthy and I take care of myself. Yet this like hidden virus somehow got a hold of me. I still don't know how I got it. I could have gotten, um, gotten it for my daughter. I could have gotten it from going to the grocery store back in March. But it had this like 
effect on you as a human being. And it had an effect on my family who couldn't be there, who was like far away and dealing with it, who also was in their own box because they were scared and couldn't leave their house and what it might be. And I think you saw that the mood overall of the country was really reflected in the data. And, and that's why I say, like, sometimes you see the, the point and you go, well, of course, that's, you know, what people are saying. But then again, people sometimes, you know, I think there's people who are like the cups half full and there's people who the cup half empty. Right. And so, you know, I think the, the best news about where we're headed, I think people are aware we're never going to 100 percent go back to where we were before all of this. Like, I don't think at some point we're just going to rip the bandaid and it's going to be like back to New York and we're going to be like doing our day to day and the bars are going to be packed and it's going to be what it is. However, I think that there will be um, a progression back to normal. And in the meantime, people are going to have more awareness about things that are important. And they're also going to take back, I think what people probably realized is, you know, some time at home and slowing down a little bit was probably good for all of us. Um, We're always sprinting, sprinting, sprinting. You know, we've had more time with our kids. We've had more time with our family, even if it's over a computer screen. We've had more, I think, thoughtful conversations probably with our friends. So there's a there's a lot of good. I, I try to be the cup half full. So I'm trying to think there's a there's a lot of good that potentially came out of this as well. And we need to now think about how we merge that previous mindset with the current mindset. And then I have one other question I want to wrap up, but um, I don't want to neglect to ask you, what do people think is important? From a behavioral perspective, people are, what they think is important that people are paying attention and that we do get beyond this. I think from a professional perspective, uh, an important trend that has come out of this is that maybe people don't have to work in the office to be productive and to be effective. And that's going to be a really interesting kind of to do and eye-opening come summer of next year. You know, you've had major, major big brands, the likes of Twitter, the likes of Google, the likes of Facebook, who are taking steps towards a permanent at-home work environment. I, unfortunately, I think the people who have suffered the most through all of this are the really the young people coming right out of college who don't have a person-to-person connection in the workspace, in the professional space, um, because working at home permanently is lonely. Like, part of the best thing that comes out of our professional lives is the interaction with other humans um, that don't live with us, right? So. Yeah. What do we do? Do we go back to the office full time? Is there a hybrid model? Can there be flexibility? That's a big thing to be answered. Um, and I think that a lot of HR departments are going to have a, a hard job ahead of them. <laughs> Tell me about some of the challenges in getting all this info from consumers this year compared to other years. Or maybe maybe it was easier because maybe people are more willing to respond to surveys and, and polls and and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But it just it strikes me that it must have somehow been different. Now, you know, so full disclosure, I've been at YouGov for six months, but I've been a customer of YouGov for probably eight to 10 years. Hmm. So I've actually seen it on both sides of the spectrum, right? Because I was at an agency using YouGov for new business, current clients, et cetera. And now I'm on the, the flip side. I think something that's special and it's not meant to be a plug about YouGov is ultimately that the system that has been developed and um, is it's connected and it's continuous. And so 
you have had a system in place to make sure that we were we were constantly on a daily basis getting updates from our consumers. Um, we don't over question them. I think that's part of our secret sauce, hmm. um, David, because we have like a, a pretty strict protocol on how many times we interact with each customer and what the cadence of that is. So I think part of the reason people are offering up information is is the same reason people who normally interact with YouGov is from a panel perspective is they they know it's it's helpful and it's useful information to be providing. But I think there's also a piece of it that maybe people are a little bored right now. And so we haven't seen any decline in our in our panel hmm. responses or participants um, during all of this. And it's probably because, you know, some people are like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll participate. I might not be doing something else. You know, in your role, you're the head of the media sector at YouGov. You noted there that you also worked at agencies on the planning side for years before. So, you know, for all those out there that are thinking about how to approach their business and approach brands in 2021, as a person who's worked on that side and also now working for the organization that's, you know, that's providing so much research about that, how do you think generally speaking, we should be approaching sort of the business internet media world in 2021? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that brands and agencies need to really understand who the consumer is. Because it, like that fast food example that I gave you, like for forever, their consumer has skewed male and older. And now it's shifted to a younger consumer that's actually leaning more female. So if you're, you know, McDonald's or Chick-fil-A and you've historically focused your advertising investment on an older male, you're missing the boat in terms of reaching your consumer with your message at the moment because your your consumer is younger. I think the biggest trend that is going to come out of this, if it hasn't, you know, is if I can be a bit provocative and state it, is ultimately that the consumers should be front and center and brands should understand their consumer. I think what's most magical about what YouGov provides to agencies that we give them a current view of who the customer is, a current view from this week, from yesterday, versus from a quarter ago or from a year ago. Data from a year ago is just non-important at this point. It's, it's not valid. So having data that's recent and from a week ago and from a day ago is so important so that, you know, brands can be thinking about how do I adapt my marketing investment? What should I change about my marketing strategy Um, in a time where, by the way, like think about like TV usage is up, but new content per se is not. You know, I think Apple is just getting back to producing new content for their shows. Obviously, Netflix had pulled way back in terms of content production, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, like where they normally have, you know, the fall new programming that hasn't even existed for the most part. So, you know, brands need to be thinking if video viewership is up, what is the type of content that I should be putting in front of these consumers, understanding that what they're watching is not necessarily current. Right. So content's really important. I mean, so really that there's going to be these huge major changes that, you know, to use your example, you know, as a as sort of a parable, more young people are now eating fast food 
And those companies, people out there need to be aware that these changes are could happen and make sure that they're looking at 2021 from a, you know, catching the change perspective as opposed to just sort of like going back to whatever, assuming that we're going to be going back to what it was like in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, you know, because you brought it up, you brought up like streaming. And um, one of my most favorite insights in streaming data is how older demographics are leaning into streaming video. So the fact that a marketer who historically, if they needed to reach, you know, somebody who was 45 plus or 50 plus, 55 plus, whatever it might be, they historically always went to TV first. Right. And now they have an option which is more efficient, can um, create a different type of relationship. They can be, you know, choosing to message to an older demo on social video. So there, there are some trends that are going to make you know, I'm going to look through the Webby's lens where you foster creativity. It's going to make advertising to varied demos a bit more fun and creative again, because consumption habits have changed to a point where not only do you need to be aware of it, we need to keep a pulse on it. Like once we're past, you know, this pandemic and life goes back to some level of normalcy, will those trends continue? My guess is yes, because people like the simplicity of something in their hand. And I can't see somebody going back and all of a sudden being like, oh, I'm no longer going to watch a video on my mobile device anymore. Here, here. Tamara, Elise, thank you so much for joining us on the Webby Podcast. Great to have you. No, thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Tamara for stopping by the Webby Podcast. If you're interested in learning more, check out our research on how the pandemic has made the internet indispensable in this year's Webby Trend Report titled Overwrite Tomorrow. You can download it now at webbyawards.com. If you like the Webby podcast and want to support it, leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really like it and you want to make my mom happy, leave us a review. You can reach me on social at DMDLikes. Our producer is Taylor Griffin. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Our editor is Terrence Brosnan. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is Claire Graves. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is the Webby podcast. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.